it's yeah. okay. And that's like, that's part of it. Your, your mind can feel anything. Welcome to the Winners Find a Way show, episode 10, The Power of the Mind with Nicole Donnelly, entrepreneur and former pro snowboarder who has turned CEO and mom and author. She's written Happy Camper, The Six Basic Emotional Needs. Nicole has sought out people who inspire and challenge her to get better in every area of life. During her pro snowboard circuit, she had several concussions, three years living in her car, broken bones, surgery, slipped discs, and then became an author and ran a string of highly successful companies. She's earned her stripes as a gritty global entrepreneur. In this episode, Nicole is fiercely committed to sharing the powerful lessons she's learned along this journey. Join us as we discuss the power of mind, determination, guided meditation, and of course, her book, Happy Camper. Join us for episode 10, The Power of the Mind with Nicole Donnelly. I am with my special guest, Nicole Donnelly. Nicole, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. It's uh, nice to be sunny here and be able to get outside and be more active. Nice. Nice. So you're actually doing the show outside with a cool background. Is that what you're doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, Almost. although that would be a good idea. <laughs> right, right. We've got to figure out how to do these shows outside it's this time yeah. of the year you just can't get enough of outdoors with this weather so always exciting to welcome a guest of our show another fellow one percenter nicole donnelly she's got great tales i love it and for our show listeners the show is all about winners find a way if you've ever faced stiff adversity if you've ever been up against it you've the the losses are mounting and you need to find a better way. I, I think you came to the right place to talk about successful people that have faced challenges in their life, worked through them, navigated it, come out. So whether you're an entrepreneur, an athlete, a business owner, uh, an executive looking to be elite, I think you're in the perfect place and on the perfect podcast and show for you. First, Nicole, before I introduce you, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, you can find me. I'm at Nicole Donnelly on Instagram and all the socials. I'm everywhere <laughs> and not yeah, very everywhere. hard. <clears throat> yeah, not hard to reach on social um, Instagram direct message. And that's probably where I pay the most attention these days because of Clubhouse. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because of Clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. And then uh, a couple of your brands real quick. Happy Camper. What else? Yeah, I've got Happy Camper. Um that's what I'm really, I'm focused on some of that. Tis Best is a nonprofit in Seattle. I'm the current uh, CMO for them. Um, and we're doing a lot of cool things. It's all about philanthropy, charity stories. And I thought that's all I want to mention right now. I've got okay. some other things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's good. You've got a laundry list. So I appreciate that. Like, yeah, stay right. focused. I like that. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit. There, there's going to be a time at the end here for Q&A for Nicole. And uh, we welcome that. But first, I'll ask a few of the questions. The first highlights of who is Nicole Donnelly? Winners Find a Way show is brought to you by data-driven operations powered by Journeys. Journeys is a software solution that helps you create a winning formula for your organization. DD Ops powered by Journey helps you act as one, see as one, work as one, play as one, win as one. 
Are you looking for visibility, coachability, and productivity amongst your team? DD Ops is your software. Click on the link in the show notes to learn more. Longtime pro snowboarder growing up, like getting on the circuit, X Games, living out of your car, like, like you know, living the dream. I don't think they ever mentioned when you say living the dream, like, hey, I'm going to live in my car. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's significant sacrifices to practice, but let's talk quickly before I keep going on about other things, all the sacrifices of the, of the health issue, because, uh, you know, you had a major spill, which I think that was in the X games, right? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. So that, that was, you know, national TV, just, just what you want your folks to catch on TV for you, right? Like oh, <laughs> a massive spill, um, and concussions, numerous, um, tell me about that sacrifice along the way for that career. Well, with snowboarding, I did it because I I loved it and I had so much fun with it. I used to compete in gymnastics as a kid and yeah. I love jumping on the trampoline, doing flips, things like that. And so when I learned to snowboard, it wasn't until I was 19 years old and I took a snowboarding class in college or 20, I guess. 20, yeah. And so I'd go up and every Sunday I'd go to snowboard class. And I went to school in Utah. So we had an amazing yeah. rec center. And as soon as I was sort of st- steady on my feet, I wanted to flip. And it's like, oh, you could do this and go compete. And that sounds like sounds like fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and at that time, not very many women were doing it. And so I just thought, oh, this is this is what I want to do. After school, I moved to Park City and I learned quickly that there's not much money in it or like really any at the time and rent is expensive in ski towns. And so, (laughs) (laughs) so I made the choice to live in my car and I chose entry fees to competitions, you know, and the the gas to get there over paying rent. So that's, that was the first sacrifice, if you will. It was economic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I think for all of us, everybody listening, I think they have newfound hope, right? Because all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I get 19 and start snowboarding and I can be on the tour. <laughs> like, I think, I think you're a really good athlete and, and people don't recognize how hard it is, right? And how good everybody is out there. But let's talk about some of the other things you've accomplished because you're this balancing act of mom, entrepreneur, ultra marathoner, philanthropist, chief marketing officer, like, and I'll just keep going on about all the things you're involved with and not easy, right? And then of course, you're an author. Uh, I love, uh, I love Rash to Riches, right? <laughs> Rash to Riches, that book, the social media playbook, which we're going to talk about because everyone's trying to figure it out. And Happy Camper. Of course, you were an entre- entrepreneur organization member for some time. Are you still, are you still doing that or you're not a member? Uh, anymore? No, I was in for eight years though. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. And then I love one of the things I want to talk a little bit more about too, is the national award for workplace flexibility, which has a whole new meaning now than, than <laughs> probably when you won that award. Right. But we want to definitely talk about that. So say hello, Nicole. And the one thing I want you to tell me is, is why come on my show? Why is it important for you to talk about these stories and tell your, tell your tale? Well, I find the more that I share my story, I get people messaging me and they feel like they can do it too. If I did it, you know, I was not 
born into money and, you know, I did live in my car for a number of years. I mean, it was a two door Honda Civic coupe. <laughs> my first wow. couple, my first season. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's that I can do it too, because I'm not like, I'm not special for anything except for my determination, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that I guess resilience. Um, and, you know, I have the same struggles as other people do with depression. And, you know, after having so many concussions, there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. Um, yes. It's like, well, if she's had 20 concussions and can do this, I mean, what's my excuse? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Wow, that, that's significant, especially after the movie came out a couple of years ago, Concuss, when we really talk about that long-term damage. You know, I was a contact sport player for a long time, and I, I'm always shocked to hear about how uh, female stalker is a really high number, right? Like, that's a that's a big number of concussed, right? And, um, and so, so things that I just wouldn't, thought of first you know everyone thinks of you know american football right <laughs> like yeah oh it's american football everybody's gonna get concussed we're just gonna go out there and concuss yeah. each other but yeah so uh, that's that's it's very interesting so well first up thanks for coming on i you know we go back a little bit and i appreciate you spending some time with me always and i always get a bunch of things i get to glean and take away so <laughs> it's so cool so let's talk a little bit about um you know maybe a little bit about your superpower you know, that determination was, was there a time, like what was the most impactful pivot point for you as a kid that said like this drive? I mean, you know, you, you, you got uh, probably some of that drive developed out of gymnastics, right? Very individualized sport. I mean, it's a team quote unquote, but like no one else goes and performs for you. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, it's very individualized, like a swimming or a wrestling. And I love these sports for a lot of reasons, which we'll talk about. But what was that one impactful point where you knew like, hey, I I'm destined to do some, some big things? I don't, I don't remember about being destined to do big things early on. I just always had a sense of doing things because I wanted to do them, which coming out of my mouth, you can imagine would be an issue for people. It's my teachers and parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Um, but I always had this, like this thing that I have a self-confidence and belief in myself, I guess, that I can do the things that I want to. Mm. And it's been a matter of figuring out what I want to put my energy behind because whatever sure. it is, I'll figure it out. And with snowboarding, I, so I went to school because I felt like I had to, to university and I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do afterwards. And I found snowboarding and I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. It's so much fun. And, you know, I was discouraged from parents, you know, like, don't do that. You know, like get your master's. You'll never go back to school if you do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. like, no, nope, I'm just going to, you know, have student loans and I'm going to go live in my car and snowboard. <laughs> That's how we do it with the youths, you know. That's how it goes. I'm, a, I'm a, I love that. By the way, you got to be a great alumnus for Utah. That's awesome. So, all right. So, let's let's pivot. That. I mean, you know, you, I think like you got this self confidence from somewhere, right? This this personal confidence. I, I assume parents had something to do with that. And you know, you're not the first uh, um, very successful guest that spent a lot of time in the uh, principal's office, you know, like, I think that's somehow not an uncommon theme from, 
from leaders who are who are willing to push a little bit of the envelope and have some opinions and 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 want to be noted. What's your thought on that? Well, so I started at a private school and I got in trouble more there. There were two kids in my grade I, and they mixed grades and it was really strict Lutheran school. And okay. you'd get paddled in front of the class for if you talked in class or anything that you weren't supposed to do. Um, and I, in that school, I got in trouble. Like after that, I didn't so much, but my sister did. <laughs> we all have our <laughs> our things, you know, um, yeah. and then, the private school, they just really, they wanted it to be a very certain way. And mm -hmm. starting in, I think the fourth grade is when I started refusing to uh, like take a math test or, mm. you know, do things that they wanted me to do. And, yeah. and once I could mix in, like I went to a school where there were 90 kids in my grade in fifth grade. And for me, then I could just like be good at my things and not I don't know, not stand out, but they didn't pay as much attention to you and it didn't matter. Um, and so I could just be myself a bit more. It was really nice. It was really nice to be in that environment. Yeah, yeah I think that, uh, yeah, conformity and rigidity, you know, rigidity, like yeah. that always, that's a tough one, right, for people. I, I, I can't imagine a fourth grader like refusing to take a math test. I love that. Like that's uh, <laughs> bold. Bold by on all accounts, by the way. So let's talk a little bit about one of those times you've had to overcome. I love the quote from uh, McChesney and Sean Covey, uh, Utah guys, right out of the Covey Foundation, yep. right there. They wrote a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution. I love the quote, winners when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. As a competitor your entire life in everything, in, in, in business, in school, whatever. Let's talk a little bit about your background that you've had times you were losing. I mean, you just had the most massive wreck right on the X games and mm -hmm. there's gotta be doubts of, Hey, can I recover from this? Can I come back? What's next for me? Um, how, how do you talk a little bit about some of the challenge faced you were down and how you came back on that? It's funny. I don't ever question my ability to come back. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I know that I will, and I'm determined to find a way and so I just, I keep seeking that finding a way because I mean, mm -hmm. if you think of it like a little kid, you're like, I'm going to get my way <laughs> and I'm yeah. going to find out how to do it. And I have that same, yeah. like, that same drive and determination to like, whether it's snowboarding or business or whatever, it's like, I'm going to find a way to get there. And so it could be like getting press and getting on big shows. It could be for my new podcast, getting some big guests um, however it is, I'm determined to get what I want to get to that point, you know, yes. to get to that contact. And I don't stop asking, like, I ask for help. I ask other people, you know, like, Hey, like, do you know somebody who knows this person or whatever it is? You know, when I want something, then, um, you just can't stop that. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, um, the determination. And I, and I see you, like when you talk about it, I picture you as the kid who goes around and goes, Hey, can I go down and get ice cream? No. Can I go down and get ice cream? No. Can I go down and get ice cream? Yeah. Like grandma said so. You see, like grandma said so. Like I just had to find the right person to ask. And eventually I get there because I get what I want. Right. Or and, I will and just kids are, kids go get the ice cream. I just go get the oh, ice you, cream. <laughs> you don't even I don't ask. ask. So, <laughs> So you become so you become the expert of just do and apologize later if I have to, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's not if it doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. All right. All right. I love it. So <laughs> let's talk about what do you think? Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, when things get dark, they don't they don't think there's ways like like a lot of folks think there's a lot of roadblocks up and I don't see a resource way out. I, I, I don't see that I'm going to find a way. Um, did you ever get to a point on anything like that ever where you just felt like I just keep running against roadblocks and I can't seem to, can't seem to find the right lane, you know, to get through, you know, not in business, not in, I mean, so for me, the last three years, it's a very personal thing. I have gained 30 pounds. My doctors say perimenopause it's your age look at your parents look at your aunts and uncles like what happened to them like they all gained a lot of weight and for me I'm like no that's not that is not an acceptable answer (laughs) I am an I'm an athlete I'm active I I eat well I like I'll track my eating and exercise and it's not just calories in calories out it's hormonal and I've been doing all the things and it's been three years and I still weigh more and that is the personal thing that I am so determined yeah. to to find out that I have not been able to solve. It's really frustrating for me because if you think about that, like I can't affect how my body is so much in the way that I could affect anything else. Like if I want to go mm. do some business deal or I want to go on a trip somewhere or I want to go like whatever it is, those are easier to solve. Yes. Okay, good. No, that is a tough one. I mean, that is a tough one. And and I noticed like the same thing. I'm 51 now. I noticed like if I go in like and binge for two months and just cut out workouts and everything else, I'll spend 10 months getting it back off, right? Like I, I can't, you know, it's not like when I was 30 and I just went, oh man, I had two lousy months. In two months, I can, I can be back to ground zero like that. You know, like I know what I need to do. And, uh, the other thing I've noticed is like injury. Mm. Like I get hurt. Like I don't heal. Like I used to, like, I used to be like, all right, I'm hurt. I don't feel great. And in two days I'm like, eh, feels better. Let's go. <laughs> you know, now I'm like, man, this day forever to heal. Like I can't it hurts oh, to wash my head, you know? I know. And you should see like, I, cause I had frozen shoulder for like over a oh, year. Yeah. 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 And I, now at my house, I have the, the near infrared light. I have the near infrared mm. sauna bag. I have like all the healing things so that yeah, yeah. I can manage the the soreness and pain of like the, the things that I like to do. And also like my doctor said, your hip is like done. It's the oh, yeah. torn and shredded. We can't go in and fix it. You have arthritis down to the bone. And I won't say the F word, but I was like, F that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, like... So, so what are they saying? Replace? I, but I'm too young to replace. And so maybe when I'm older, I can replace. You just have to live with the pain for now. And so at my determination, I go all Joe Dispenza on this and I meditate and I like, I see it as healed and I see it as, so now I've been doing this for a couple of years of um, like using meditation and stuff to heal it. And I can go rollerblading and cycling. And I couldn't do that before without pain. And, um, so I want to get an MRI again <laughs> to see, I'm like, yeah. Did I feel it? <laughs> because yeah. it's okay. And that's like, that's part of it. Your, your mind can heal anything. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's somewhere, you know, power of, you know, certainly like 
the secret talks a lot about that, like about what we focus on power of prayer. A lot of people talk about that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going and giving that up every day, you know, like certainly those things that were, and, and the meditate, I'm meditating very focused on this with, with positive affirmation about how I want it to be, not how it is today. And, yeah. and I'm going for that. And I've seen that power of healing. I've seen time and time again. And I, you know, I, I have a miraculous story of a friend who healed from, you know, uh, probably one of the worst cancers of all time and, and, a, and a fungal infection that was, you know, no way is medically explainable, right? Like it's just not explainable. So it's neat. And I, I agree with you. The power of the mind is a very, and, and the power of the heart, like what you yeah. want. I think both of those combined, you know, it's a, it's a lot like people forget um, this powerful force, what we call our immune system. And I'm telling you, like, it, it is badass, right? Like, I mean, this thing is like, this yeah. thing will like, I'll tear down walls if I have to. And you're like, no, 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 like, no, no, nothing's getting through. And so people freak out, but um, we do, we do do damage to it, you know, over time, like any, like any strong brick wall, like, Hey, you start chunking at it with a hammer every day. And then, you know, it, it's Shawshank Redemption, right? One of my favorite movies, it's the little pickaxe every day at the wall. And all of a sudden like, Hey man, the guy dug a hole through the whole wall over 20 years. Well, yeah. And that's the thing, like the meditation, some things are instant if you're good at it and some things take time. And it, there's like, there's that persistence that I guess that that's the theme, right? Is this persistence. And I actually, yeah. I started, so I'm a 20 year Reiki master teacher. I, I get, okay. ener I get energy and like how it works. And, um, yes. I started leading guided meditations on clubhouse and then, um, I actually just started releasing the recordings and nice. because I, that is something I do every day is I meditate. And sometimes I do guided meditations because like, I listen to them because I need that because I have so much going on in my head. And that's, that's yeah. something that I want people to understand. It's like, you can, you can find the one that works for you, you know, and I'm going to be doing a bunch of different types of meditation so that people can find something they connect with and stick with it. Because when you like, when you need, when you need healing, whether it's emotional or physical, or, you know, that you're feeling down, um, you can get yourself out of it. And mm -hmm. that is a, that's an amazing resource. Okay, good. Uh, that's my next question. Like, what is that one belief, that one value or action that you'd recommend to others when they hit that they they hit that low point, when they hit that dark spot? What is that one thing that maybe, like you said, go to? And and one of the things I heard you say that was interesting was, you know, part of that consistency, like stick with it. Talk talk to me a little bit about what you think that is. That one thing. Well. So I, with all the concussions and stuff, I get this depression that'll come on and I yep. can feel it. And I can, it's this, this fog and, you know, it starts to come on and I will set appointments with a personal trainer or do something like that. But it's, it's the vigilance to take care of myself mm. because I think it's part of the, the drive, I guess it's that I, I'm the only one, you know, I have a daughter and I need to be responsible for her and yep. I need, I want to be present for her. And if I, if I go down that hole, that rabbit hole, then I'm not good to anybody else. I'm not good for myself, but 
there's something out there that drives me that's more than myself. And like, I want to bring joy to a billion people, over a billion people, you know, and okay. we've, we've reached like 3 million so far. And that's a goal. So you're looking at a billion is, is your number, right? Yeah. I love it. You and McDonald's, like a billion served. You're bringing joy to a billion. They're bringing a billion burgers, right? So, yeah. Uh, I love it. I think that's uh that's a, by the way, I, you're, you're not shy to set lofty goals. And, and I think people love that about you. Uh, I also think that people must have at some point, you know, recognized your talent and things like you're saying like, Hey, they see, you, Hey, you could do this. You could do this. Hey, Hey, Nicole, you could do this. And you're like, yeah, I'm okay. Like, no, no, no. You could do this at this level. So, you know, talk about what you think they see in you that, that, um, from, you know, from a coach's perspective, we're always looking for that potential in people. And what is it, what is it that jumps? So my coaches didn't see that. My coaches told me I wasn't good enough to compete. It's like mom. Yeah. It's mom and dad telling, you no. And I was like, F that again. Like I'm going to go. And I signed up for competition. I come back to practice the next week with a new snowboard because I want a snowboard because I got first place in a big air you know, or a half pipe competition or something. And I met a woman who was a coach for one of the ski and snowboard private schools. And she was lovely. And she would coach me at the top. And my coaches would be there at the top of a border cross, but they would not pay attention to me because they didn't think that I should be there. Mm. And there was a woman who she would coach me because there's things like speed check here, or there's, you got to keep your speed in this corner or things like that, that she could see that at the time I couldn't. And that's, that's what good coaches do. Cause they know they've that's been right. there. They have that experience. And so I like, she was such a good example for me that that's why I liked to do. Um, I'm a mentor for different accelerators because if yes. I can help anybody like know when to speed check or accelerate, <laughs> Um, yeah. and see some of yeah. those things, yeah. then I want to contribute because I didn't have that so much. And I made a lot of mistakes um, in my first business. I made a lot of mistakes. And I would mm. like, I like, that's why I like to do the coaching is because I can see that I can see the course. And, um, you know, I can help somebody get down safely. And, and that's, you know, as least injured as possible. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, do you think, like, I love that. I, I think part of the reason I, I really identify with that is because, you know, as a ball player, like everyone's telling me no, right? Like the numbers are stacked against you. You're not going to be this. You're not going to be, you're not fast enough. You're not this, which I, yeah. I, which I remember thinking at that young age, like all I'm hearing is, and I think my self-talk at one point became, you know, you're not enough, Trent. You know, and like, that's bad. That's a, that is yeah. not the place to be until one person said, Hey, you've got what it takes. And I know because I'm experienced and, and that really changed things for me because I, I think that's so valuable when you talk about getting advice from people that have been there. I mean, for me, you know, leadershipity, right? We coach executives. I've owned companies. I've done it. And I, I, fear for people to go, Hey, I'm going to go list this person. They got a weekend certification. They've never done it, but like they really have a nice cert <laughs> and and that's yeah. great. Someone continues to get educated, but I do want the experience. I want people that have been on that half pipe going, 
um, this is what happens when crosswind happens and this is going to go on and this landing is all of a sudden going to be altered and you need to know what's about to happen. And you're like, oh, well, crosswinds, what? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, you know, at 30 feet, it's different. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it, you got to factor some things here. And I just think that um, it's so important. I think it's such an important lesson. But I, I was probably driven by that too. I was driven by a lot of folks. I don't think I ever did it. But I think I, I think I would have probably at one age would have been loved to go, you know what? I'm going back to my hometown. I'm going to tell those people, you know, <laughs> those naysayers, you know? Um, but I mean, I think that's, it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's actually not a great motivation for me. Long-term there's a little darkness to it because, yeah. you know, it's part of that's keeping that negative energy around you. Like, well, I'll show you. Right. And I'll, I'll make a believer of you yet. And so yeah, I think there's some I challenges there. Yeah, for me, I don't need people to, I don't need to vindicate myself because they're going to see me on TV and they're going to see me in the press. I don't worry about it. You know, like as long as I get the support that I need, like the good coach, she was at the half pipe every day on the hill. And so she would coach me while I was practicing. I would just go at the times when she had her kids there, you know, from the, Mm. the, the high school. And I, from that, like that was a resource that I needed that my coaches weren't giving me. Um, and yeah, when I found, when I did run into them again, it was at this half pipe competition in, um, in Tahoe. And I, my thing was border cross, but I did big air half pipe slope style, all the disciplines. Cause it kind of did at that time. And, um, I told them, I was like, hey, I found my thing. It's border cross, you know. They weren't excited for me. They didn't seem to care, Yeah, you know. And I was like, okay, all right, well, see you later, you know. Um, and I just like went on my way and kept doing that. And, yeah. you know, there's de- there's so many times of determination with that. My first, like the season I really wanted to get into X Games the first time, there was no pre-qualifying event because there wasn't enough snow. So what do you do to qualify for an event? All the people from last year get in, but new people, how do you get in? And it wasn't easy at that time to do videos and stuff. You had to use a camera and tape and burn a DVD. So I (laughs) took highlights of my snowboarding in the summer at Mount Hood and going off jumps and stuff. And I sent a DVD to the organizers and I got an invite. Nice. Nice. So, So, uh, you know, that that workaround that always kind of taking an extra step to always get there. I think it's a big deal. And I think part of that is, is all the time you're being trained up in perseverance, right? Shaping you. And it's one of the things I I actually get worried about um, from, from this mentoring and coaching perspective. I love to encourage people. I think it's really important. But you know what? I, I was let's talk about this for a second because I loved Elon Musk's statement too. Like <laughs> saying, if you need someone to like pat you on the back and give you, you know, a, a little bump in the tushy and say and a, and a add a girl and an add a boy, like you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> like, like part of that, like you don't answer to anybody when you're the founder, right? And so it's if you need that from somebody, you may not get it in that environment for weeks, months. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Like, like it may not come. I mean, you do get, I shouldn't say ever because we know, we know clients may continue to buy. We have vendors that we work with. So, I, you know, you, 
you could tie that to, hey, they like me because they keep calling back to buy or whatever. So I think there's something there. But he was dead fast. Like, if you need that, I think you need to go get a job. And I was like, man. So now I flip that back to the mentorship, the the accelerators of the world. And I see a lot of young folks are like, hey, how am I doing? Can you call me every week and tell me, you know, give me an attaboy or an attagirl? And I'm like, wait, what? Like, no. Like you gotta, you gotta do this. Like this is it. Like I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing, but part of this is like you gotta, you gotta take ownership yourself and find the the gratitude, the blessing in it all while you're doing it in the journey. Because if you need that every day, I don't think it's gonna come in this environment. Well, so this is where. Okay, the Happy Camper Guidebook that I wrote. It talks oh, about the six yeah, basic emotional. That. Well, it talks about the six basic emotional needs. And everybody yes. has needs that are a little different. And the way that you're talking about it is very typical Gen X, right? Millennials are different. Like The, the different generations expect a different type of leadership. Mm. And millennial generation is more cooperative and tell each other they're doing a good job. And Xers are like latchkey kids. They're like, I didn't get it. You're not going to get it. And so mm. I think that statement was very of the Xer kind of a mindset. And I okay. know plenty of my colleagues that are like that. And I had a conversation with a very successful one, like ridiculous. Um, and he's just like, well, I didn't have that. Why should they get that? And why do mm. they need this? It's like, because that's their need. There's nothing wrong with their need. And if they're asking for it, just like I'm asking for entrance to the X Games, they're asking for what they need, then mm -hmm. good on them for asking for it. If they yeah. know that we might not need it because we did it for ourselves. Okay, good. So let's talk about this. I like this one. Let's pivot to, uh, are they really asking for feedback or are they asking for validation? Because that well, some are asking, came up. Yeah, some are asking for validation. Um, I'm going to reach down here and grab this real quick. Sure. I have my book. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Grab the book. I thought you were going for a trophy, but the book's even better. You know, like <laughs> I know. I, I still keep all my awards. I look at my house in a feng shui way, and there's a place to put them in feng shui. Um, yeah. All right. Good. Um, but we all have these six basic emotional needs that are on here. And we have little yeah. monsters that come out when the needs aren't met. And there is the need for people to achieve and feel unique and feel special. And some people have a higher need for the verbal, like the you know words of affirmation um, yes. to say, hey, you're doing a good job. I don't have those needs, but as a leader, that's something that I learned that I need to provide for my staff so mm -hmm. much more than it is in my nature. And okay. I need to look for every moment to acknowledge, appreciate them and, and then when I meet people who are leaders who are naturally that way, it amazes me because right. it's, it's I, a learned it's, it's like, a learned thing on my side because yeah. it was just not in my nature to, you know, hey, good job. You know, like I did not do that yeah. enough for my, my first team. Yeah. And people really like a lot of times they need to hear it and then they're going to give it to their staff. Yeah, it trickles down, right? And I think that that's really, I, I love that because I love the disc style, the personality styles as we lean into what our what our primary go-to is. That doesn't mean because we, we prioritize these areas, it doesn't mean you can do the other. You found that, of course, 
you can go and, and, and be encouraging and catch them doing well and, and fire them up and you could do it, but it can take some energy, right? You have to train yourself up. And I look at, I look at my style where I thought I was really a lot more influencer kind of I and steady as, as a kid where I was really focused, somewhat methodical about some things. And then as I, owned more companies and got more involved and had more kids. And, you know, and I'm like, man, I, I moved to this D style of behavior because I was yeah. training myself in it because there was no other way to function. So now I look at my, um, my ID style. Right. And I like, and I, and this is who I am now. Does that mean I can't be like uh, a, a different style? No, like, of course I can adapt to other styles. So here's, here's my, like my quick background, right. On the ID. So you could see like, hey, I've got my ID style. I'm motivated by inspiring others. These words really describe me, action, enthusiasm, results. But this stresses me out, right? Like overly conscious oh, yeah. me out. Like I'm like going, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know if we should take the kids out. It could rain. They said rains in the forecast sometime this week. I'm like, what? Like, that's, it's bonkers to me, right? So it stresses me. So I love, I love getting that. And, and I think your example of that, that you say, oh, well, it's easy for them, right? Like some people make it look easy. I think this is what, let's talk about this for a second. I want to pivot this because I talk about this all the time when I interview for shows. One of the disservice, I think, socially, especially like social media now, because it's so prominent. Entrepreneurship's like kind of like buzzy and like, hey, be an entrepreneur, build a website, and you're gonna be the next Google. Like, wait, what? Like, I I know people running their hair studio down the street. They're busting their tail, you know, eighteen hours a day, keep food on the table. Like, they don't think they're gonna be the next Google. Like, they're working hard, and I think it's a disservice to talk that all oh, this entrepreneurship stuff is easy. I think there's a lot of people like you. Who make it look easy because everyone sees it from the outside going, oh, she's got it mastered. Like, and you're like telling the war stories now, going, easy. What are you talking about? I don't even want to tell these people they're doing a great job. I want to get my stuff done. Like, and I want them to do their stuff. And I'm gonna lose all this energy having to create that because that's important. But like it's not, it's not what I want to do necessarily, or what my go-to is. Talk a little bit about that. Well, to get along in the world, emotional intelligence is important, right? right. And we're lucky that it can be learned and practiced just like anything, you know, you can, yes. you can learn to walk better. You can learn to run better. You can learn to interact with others better, like just be better human, you know, and, and you could have a variety of reasons because you want to close more sales because you want to have better marketing messaging um, because you want a happier team. And it really is in the emotional connection with people that you're going to compel them, you know, yeah. and you want to inspire others and you do that by letting them know how awesome they are and not how awesome you are. And so there's this reinforcement of how awesome they are that needs to happen in order to have those, like to create a movement. Everybody needs to feel, they need to feel included, connected, loved, supported yeah. and able to support others. And, you know, they need to feel smart and that they can achieve things. They need to feel like they're in control and that they're building something amazing. 
And when you learn how to bring these elements into the relationships, it will become fluid. It won't be so hard. And it's something that anybody can learn. And there's such a hunger for learning this right now. And you can have more peace and joy and you don't have to be a bull in a china shop, you know, and people will naturally like want to go in the direction if, if you provide this environment for them. And so at Tisbest, we've talked a lot about creating a movement, what that would be and how to get people on board. Um, because we want to compel people. We want to inspire people and telling people how they spend their money and give to charity. That's not going to work. Yeah, we need to inspire many. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. And you can run a company. You can be like, I'm high D high I low S low C. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if I, if I tell people what they need to do in this department, that's just, just not going to work. It's not going to be effective. So then if you take it back to like childish and I'm saying childish, not childlike, but childish words, it is, I can get my way easier if I know these things. You know, I'm going to have less resistance if I practice this. And my way might be bringing joy to a billion people. It might be like creating more charity in the world, but it's basically like, that's, that's what I want. And so if I can offer this value and have people feel emotionally connected to what I want, they're going to come along and they're going to be happy and they're going to have like better lives for it. All right. So let's talk about the balance, because I want to get back to this. Talk about this balancing. I mean, you're balancing, you know, right now you're balancing your own fitness takes a lot of time, the health of, you know, you're, you're caring for you, self-care. You're a mother, right? You got that. You got entrepreneurship. You got the philanthropy. Like how, let's talk about that balancing act because you're not the only person probably out there with a lot of balls in the air and you're juggling and making it look easy. Like, oh, she's a great juggler. <laughs> like, oh, look at that. Like, and, and, and I'm not. So I'm, I'm like dying out. How do you do it well? For me, the, my number one KPI since my daughter was like five years old is that I would be there for her 90% of the time before and after school. So she was 13. And then I figured she'd have other activities and things she's doing. And now yeah, yeah. since COVID, I have to be there. Because she needs a ride to the barn for her riding lessons. And every quarter they change the schedules and it's weird. And she's not in school full time. And she's 16. But in Canada, you can't drive alone at 16 in in BC. She's going to have to be, well, she'll be 17 by the time she can do that. So I'm taking her to the barn every day. And I spend four hours of my day driving and hanging out at the barn in the riding club. And I'm working full time. So it's this balance of I will work on weekends. She goes to see her dad on the weekends and I put work into there um, because I know that I'm not getting a full day because I'm going to the barn and that it's 10 weeks. I look at it as like, this is 10 weeks, you know, Um, and this is how we're going to handle the next 10 weeks. And I told my girlfriend, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, this is what this sprint looks like. She's like, that is not a sprint. That's a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) That is longer than a sprint. Like, well, in my world, the bigger picture we've had, you know, she goes to university. This is a sprint, right? Like, yeah, 18 years. Yeah, Um, I mean, blink and all of a sudden it's going to be university time, right? At 16 and. Yeah. And I think about the. 
that emotional connection that I want to have with my daughter and the memories, 80% of the time you spend with your kids happens by the time they're 18. Once they are off, you only get another 20% of the time, like in their, in your whole life with them. That's, that's staggering, right? When we think about that, that's a, that's a staggering statistic. And I, I like the um I, I like the guy I saw I saw a message one time about this about the value of how we spend our time and I thought there was a great visual on the the marbles for every weekend you have left right never, yeah. you start taking marbles out and you're like going wait a minute, this, this this jar is getting very empty like in in my in my fifties and sixties right and you start thinking like what am I doing with this this recreational time where am I spending time with people that matter to me. And, and, and I think, you know, you, you hit it. It's, it's back to this relation uh, that we're on. And yeah, I think that's so good how, so it's, so it's priority. I mean, it's really, you've set priorities and yeah. you build the priority, uh, you know, you, you build a priority pyramid, like, Hey, here's the top. And then as it filters down, you know, yeah, 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 you'll, yeah. You'll get something <laughs> like, but like yeah. <laughs> it's here and, and I make it work at the top. And the first thing that goes in right now, it's my daughter's schedule, you know, and being there for writing lessons. And we had to every, you know, 10 weeks, we do a rejig this year because school was different. And so it's been ridiculous. As a parent, it's been ridiculous. Ridiculous. It has. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's one word. 2020. Ridiculous. That's the word right there. (laughs) Yeah. So ridiculous for everybody. So let's, okay. So let's pivot to that because you know, we, it's, it is ridiculous, right? You know me a little bit, you know, I've consulted all over the world. So I usually go to the clients. I'm used to remote working, not unlikely for me to take interviews from an airport or, you know, knocking out 40 emails at the Marriott and like, what's next, right? I'm, I'm, I'm talking to China in my cab. Right. And so, but now like the whole workforce got upended. You, you had the national award for, for, uh, uh, work, work flexibility. (laughs) Like, what does that look like now with, with all these just different variables of, children home, not home, where they got to be, where they can be, the time, schooling. Yeah. So I built my first company with everybody who was parents of little kids because my daughter was little and it was my friends. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we we worked out of my house first until we had five people in like this tiny little office and everybody had babies. And my sister-in-law was like the nanny. And so the kids were all downstairs. We were upstairs and people want to breastfeed. So they want to be close to their kids. Yeah. And so then when we had the office, people could bring babies in. And then as soon as VoIP phones came out, you could take a phone home and you could work from home. And we had the, you know, VPN in and like the old school version of remote working yeah, yeah. Um, back in like 2006, 2007. And we wanted to be able to support moms and we had dogs in the office. Like if they weren't going to bark and interrupt phone calls and stuff, we had dogs in the office, we had babies and kids, as long as it wasn't too disruptive for everybody. Or um, in another company that I had, it was also moms with like three kids, five kids. And if your kid is sick, that's fine. If you need to bring somebody else in for the day, because you need to go out with your kids, that's fine. We had this democratic workplace, like in the next two companies where <laughs> it came to where one of my clients called me into his office, this billion dollar client. 
He's like, I don't know if you know this, but this person is taking two weeks off. And, you know, I'm like, yes, yes, I'm aware. He's like, I don't know how you run your company, but this, this just wouldn't happen in my company. And I said, well, we have two other people on your accounts. We did social media monitoring and we did 24 seven for them. So two people Mm -hmm. took over her shifts for two weeks. And, you know, they filled in, she's not going to take advantage. And then when they want to go on vacation, like same thing, you know, and it's that personal accountability. And then that will give you so much more loyalty when you have that flexibility, Um, you know, for, and that's, that's been a big conversation with my business owner friends is how can you, how can you allow this? You know, it's like, well, this is life. This is life now. Um, it's just different. And if you allow for the flexibility for the mom schedule, you will have loyalty, you will have high productivity. Because if you require someone to be in an office, all the stats show they are only productive for like four or five hours a day. So in what I'm building now, um, we have it that you're working five hours a day, Monday through Thursday, and Fridays off. And if we need to do like have conversations on Fridays, it's fine. It's not off limits. It's just that not you're not expected to have to work on Fridays. And um, like Shopify over this time, they gave their employees Fridays off because when people are working from home, they're typically they their output is very high. They're more mm-hmm. productive, and um, the work gets done. When you're expected to sit with your butt in a seat for eight hours. You're going to be on Facebook. You're going to be doing all these things because you don't yeah. have the freedom to do that in your day anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons, you know, we, we started this program, a journey called data driven operations and visibility on what people are working on, where they're like, not time tracking. Like this is what we're working on. And I, I might be able to do this in two and a half hours and the production is there and yeah. that's what we're really getting visibility on roles and responsibilities and how we're managing it. And some people can do that really well. I, and I watched one of the companies I worked with who people, it was, it was, it was a negative effect of the home because commutes and things like that broke things up. They could get out in their penguin pajamas, flip on that computer at 7 a.m. and look up and it's 1130 p.m. Like, wait, yeah. did I just work like 14 hours like straight? Like, what, what am I doing? Like, like this is crazy. And there's a lot of work to be done, especially for like seasonal people like tax or, you know, where you have deadline yeah. work and it just gets, it, it, it gets, um, it gets tough. It gets well, that's, tough. That's what Shopify was finding. And that's why they gave people Fridays off because no one was taking vacation and they yep. were working longer hours because- well, and you, you can't go anywhere. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not allowed to go anywhere. So, yeah. No, I can imagine that. Like, that's not mental health. That's not helping us recharge the batteries. I mean, even if it's, uh, you know, people, I, I could make a case that, you know, a Starbucks $5 cup of coffee could also be a mental health check as you and I stop, see each other every morning, share, you know, some fellowship for 20 minutes before we're off to our things for the day. And then boom, you're off and running. And so am I, but like, I was, Oh my gosh, you paid $5 for a cup. Of- no, I paid $5 for peace of mind. Like, like, yeah. you know, Nicole grounds me. I get like, we get leveled off for the day. We get our focus. We're set. We're charged and boom, we're off. And the coffee was okay too. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> like, you know, that's part of the experience of, of getting ourselves back to that. Like, and it's, uh, that's a challenge. Let's, let's talk about the social dilemma real quick. I, you know, last question for me before we kind of finish our 
show is the the social dilemma. Have you seen the movie Social Dilemma? No, I mean, oh really? I oh, do social media for my business. I'm in it. I understand. You know, I understand a lot of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and I choose to be on social in my own ways. And there's yeah. things that I choose not to do because of the awareness around what happens to the information out there. Yes, that's right. And you, and you wrote the social media playbook. Yeah. And, and some of that, I assume some of that guidance is in that, right? Of where your time is well spent or how, how is it? Tell me about that. Yeah, the social media playbook is it. Well, so just recently we released um, a social media checklist, like the rockstar checklist, if you want to be a rockstar. In the playbook, okay. it's about how to use the different social networks, what they're good for, and how often to be on yeah, them, how yeah. to engage etiquette, like really basic stuff. Um, the Rockstar checklist yeah. is like if you're good at Instagram or you're good at LinkedIn and you want to be good at all the networks or like jump into a couple more, um, how to best engage in these new places. And okay. there it's it's a lot. Like you've got content coming out on YouTube. And then do you know about YouTube shorts? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know about it, right? Like, yeah. No. So YouTube shorts is a new feature that they have it in a way that is, it's not, you don't see it as a feature, but you'll start to, if you go to your account, it'll list your shorts. If you have any vertical videos that are less than a couple minutes and they started to turn those into shorts. So you can hashtag shorts in the title. Like you did that before, but it just flipped on that there's this shorts feature. Um, but there's not a shorts upload yet that I've seen. It, it was supposed to be out last month. Anyways, um, the the shorts are going to be real, like Instagram real link type videos. And you can put those videos and they're going to get organic reach. And you can have that on so many social networks now. On Pinterest, we're seeing return that's ridiculous. Like, what was it? 10,000 times the views of reels on LinkedIn. Or I mean... Instagram. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They just re are re amazing. releasing a new feature. And so there's the thing with social is you have to keep up with it so yes. much. It's if ever you, changing. <laughs> yeah. And if you're creating a movement, you want to reach a billion people. These are the things that you have to do. And there's certain things that you have to be good at. And here's kind of the MVP of being everywhere, what that looks like, the omnipresence situation that we it's it's crazy what you have to do to compete now. When I started my first company to be top online did not take as much effort as it does now. Right. Right. I think I think you could probably because of the ever-changing environment, you know, that I like I like the idea of you putting the social media rock star every year. That like a version, like 2020 because you know you and i are gonna sit back and 10 years ago oh my gosh look what look what the rock star was in 21 because now it's 31 it'll be it'll be something totally different right and we'll be like oh oh look at this like youtube shorts that's that's cute remember when that was hot like and we look back at this the same way in our life when we think like oh hey yeah you know peg your pants that's the way to go you know like that's <laughs> how that's cool you know like, like what you did a button when you were a little uh we thought we were cool so I think that, I think you could do that maybe, you know, an annual version, you know, a release. That'd be awesome. I'd love that. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pick up, I, I need to pick up all your books. Like I, I haven't got all your books, so I, I need to get on it. Okay. Let's talk. Um, let's, let's wrap up here for the best, uh, time for the best way to win. 
That's right. Um, away. Anything that you want to share with listeners that we did not touch on today? I mean, people want to have successful companies. They want to have successful organizations. They want to have successful relationships. They're looking to win in, in a tough environment. And like you said, it, it's, it's getting harder. And I, and I don't, I don't know that we're training people up well on that front end uh, of, of how challenging it really is out here. Um, I think a lot of people are getting blasted from my mentoring programs and what you've, and what you've seen. I'd like to know, you know, what do you think on that? But what was that one thing that maybe we haven't touched that you think is really important? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is okay to have a job. It's okay. And you can apply the entrepreneurial skills and design your work environment as you want. My husband and I met, we were both working for this company and I was a um, fractional CMO. That's something I do. I go in and act as the CMO. So I was going in their office a couple of days a week and he was a developer there. It was, it's funny because his, his view of it and how we both exited were very different. He could have had the same exit that I did, but he didn't even think about having that kind of an exit. And I thought about it because of, you know, just business background and why wouldn't I ask for that? You know? Yeah. Um, And there, you can still be entrepreneurial in your work environment. And that's something that we, we talk about a lot Mm -hmm. um, because he's, he, he wants to be an entrepreneur and he's very much an employee and there's nothing wrong with that because mm-hmm. you can still do something. This is another thing. So Jim McCann, who started 1-800-Flowers, he okay. was buying flower shops and building that business for eight years while he kept his full-time job. Eight years. Right? Amazing. And he's got, and he's, they've acquired a lot of companies now and he has this huge, he's, he's not running it currently. His brother is, um, but what he built, and I interviewed him for my podcast for the Tis Best one, and it was yeah. really interesting um, to hear his story because you would never have known that, that he kept his steady for eight years because he had yeah. kids. And yeah, and you ability. do need to, there is a point at which you will jump. And for everybody, it's different. You know, everybody's risk tolerance is different. Mine yeah. is really high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine too. You know, and 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 your your significant who's like mine, it sounds like is what what a lot of us probably are attracted to is our opposite, right? And and so my wife's risk tolerance as SC because I'm on the top of that DI too. For that risk tolerance is very low. Let's have methodical systems. Let's have a plan and process behind everything. And let's let's gauge out how you would leave that full time job in in eight years, Jim, and plan for it. like what? Like, I'm jumping in three months. Like the next quarter, I'm going to figure out how to do it. You know, like uh, that. Do you find that the same? Um, somewhat. I, and like my energy of risk and ac- action, like taking action constantly towards what I want, has spurred more action in him. So he's got this idea for a product and i was like buy a 3d printer just buy one they're cheap and so he's been he has made more progress in the last six months than he has in the last seven years because Mm -hmm. i'm i bring the possibility and i bring that that energy the creative energy to it where he wants to do it and feels like he needs 
like the right way to do it is different. You know, the right way to do it is like you have your job and and that this other thing is too risky or I'm going to fail or people will make fun of me. And a lot of times it's that inner chatter that stops that. And if you can have somebody, and this is the thing, like this is, this is my life learning is that, you know, people do need encouragement and a push sometimes and that it's at their own pace and their own pace doesn't necessarily match yours, you know? Mm -hmm. And for, for me and for my daughter, it's different too. getting her out the door would always take like 30 minutes from when she was a kid. It still does. She needs a heads up. She needs to like the way she gets out the door of the house is much different than me. And, (laughs) you know, and I think that's, that's like having her, it just gave me a more compassion for a different perspective. So, and then with my husband too, it's more compassion. And I see how I can help him to get where he wants to go in a way that works for him, not the way that works for me. And with my daughter, it's getting her where she wants to go in a way that works for her. And that is, and so to know yourself and know the support you need and the people you need in your life, you can kind of call those people in. And if you need somebody who's there that is going to, you know, help you go at a faster speed, then you you call that person in. And you go to Clubhouse, honestly, and you can find those people at any pace, answer any question that you could possibly ever have about any business at this point. All right, let's um, let's end with this. That's so good. I think I think, and I like the description of the entrepreneur of how important that is inside companies of people that are thinking about exactly how the operation works, thinking about how we could do growth, thinking about what the value is that and the sustainability of that possible choice, right? And whether we could actually do it and process it. I, I think that becomes a big superpower and skill now, when, especially when we're cre- trying to create sustainability in organizations. Um, and we know how tough it is to, to do that. I like um, your your words. I, okay, so let's let's go to your quote. Quote, uh, do you have a quote that you have like a go-to for you? That's like, uh, man, this is, this is one that always kind of speaks to you, can motivate you. Is there something there for you? Um, so I'm looking at my happy camper book right now <laughs> mm-hmm. and Good. I have some quotes that I love in here. And the one that I first turned to was only those who dare to fail greatly can achieve greatly. And that's a that's John your, Kennedy. That's your risk. Yeah, that's your risk tolerance right there, right? They're like, right? I think that's awesome. I, I came to like, because I think you've really mastered and, and worked hard to master that power of encouragement. I, I thought of you as affecting 1 billion people, right? Like that's that's such a great goal. I like uh, Proverbs 18.21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Like the power mm-hmm. of us in encouragement and what that I can mean. And the opposite of that too, like the tongue has the power of death too. Like we can be absolutely terribly mean and, and it's not good. And, and, it, you know, even unintentionally. Right. But so how yeah. do we, how do we lean into that? So I think that, that, uh, that, that's what I thought of you when I thought of, uh, your, your storied history of speaking into other people, um, because you always have the power of life. Right. So Love that, Nicole. For everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Nicole, tell them where they can find you again. You can find me at Nicole Donnelly on Instagram and all the socials. And um, happycamper.world 
is where you can find out more about the One Billion Souls mission. And um, his best is where you can find me being CMO and um, doing all the charity and philanthropy that I love. Perfect. Perfect. For us, you can find us. This is the Leadership of the YouTube channel. Thankful that you're here. Please subscribe. Rate this five stars. We always bring on high quality guests for great content. Nicole's no different. Of course, you can find me on all the social networks at either Leadershipity or Trent M. Clark, Twitter, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn's probably our biggest right now where we're at. Make sure you watch for our upcoming ebook, The Pyramid of Leadershipity we're excited about. You can DM me anytime directly. Again, please subscribe. Nicole, thank you so much for this time together. Always a pleasure. And I love our time together. Thank you. Thanks, Trent. Thank you for joining us for another Winners Find A Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark. If you love this episode, share this episode with your friends and Follow us on whatever podcasting medium you're listening to. If you want more content from us, join us at leadershipity.com or the Leadershipity YouTube channel. You can find us on all the social media networks at either Trent M. Clark or Leadershipity. For our award-winning workshop, Win With Great Teams, you can find that page on LinkedIn as well as our corporate page, Leadershipity. If you want to win more It starts with you today. Say it with me now. I have what it takes.